In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. Right. Well, so I thought that for today, since we have um, a thing we're talking about that really defies description in many ways, um, we might start uh, the episode with another installment of Amy. Guess what movie I watched last night? Oh, no. <laughs> um, okay, can I ask a couple questions? Sure. Like, yes, yes. Does it have something to do with this show? No, absolutely nothing at all. Zero, like not any crossover no, actors, no, nothing. No, nope, nope. Um, is it a 90s movie? No. Oh, no. Um, is it a rom-com? No. Oh, no. Um, okay. Okay, so the last time we did this, it was Man of the House. Correct. So... <laughs> God, do you want not 90s but no yeah, give you... me a hint give me a okay. hint. okay um the hint is that this is a movie from the 60s oh no oh the man who knew too much no but oh. one of the actors in that movie is also in this movie jimmy stewart yes okay 60s jimmy stewart i don't only i only know hitchcock that he was in um um Family, <laughs> no family comedy. Family comedy that Jimmy Stewart was in. Yes. Oh no, I'm not sure I know of that. I can only think of him from Hitchcock movies. This is weird. I could have sworn this was like one of our favorites as a family to watch because I mm-hmm. remember watching this quite a bit. Really? Oh shit. Um, wait. Maybe. Well, tell me. I don't know. That's going to be annoying to hear me just like hem and haw for hours. Yeah, it maybe doesn't make for good radio. I don't know. Um, I watched Mr. Hobbs Takes a Vacation. Oh, I definitely never watched that. Wait, what? No, I've never seen that. You've never seen it? I don't remember it if I have. It's where he and Maureen O'Hara have a bunch of kids and they go to the beach uh, and they're in that like creepy house, and they is have Marino their. Th- is she the one who is, um, the mom in Parent Trap? Yeah. I've never seen that. <laughs> wow. Well, this is. Or a if com- I have, I was too young. Maybe I. Maybe you. You all did watch that, and I just was like being a baby or something. My God, this is a complete abject and utter failure as an opening <laughs> because I was sure that this was like a thing that was like beloved. I also have a terrible memory, you have to remember. <laughs> so it's possible that like it doesn't ring any bells like whatsoever. Though. I mean, I've heard of the movie, but... Um, Man. but I really don't think I've seen it. Man, oh, man, oh, man alive. I can't believe this. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, I watched it last that night. Sounds good. <laughs> and uh, you may enjoy it because it is like the type of movie that just feels like it's hard to find these days where you like watch it and you like it and you get genuine enjoyment and pleasure from it and it does not challenge you in any way (laughs) and like is it like i'm looking at like stills of it and it truly rings no bells um i i think i've never seen this movie in my life that's That's so funny 
shocking. My God. I mean, it's so hard to say because, like, then when I see the stills of, like, him and Maureen O'Hara, like, she looks the way I picture her in movies yeah. I've seen her in, and he looks yeah. the way I picture him. So, like, then it makes me think I've seen it, but then I see all the rest of them, and I'm like, I have not seen this. Hello, everyone. Welcome <laughs> to See You Next Week in Space. I am Sarah Walsh, and I'm here with my co-host and sister, Amy Walsh, and I am really mortified because I thought that opening gambit was going to go a lot better I'm really did. sorry. You got to stick with like 90s JTT references. And I then know. That's like, uh, classic movies aren't as much my jam. Or if they are classic, I tend to like the ones that are uh, more thriller mysteries. Like right. your Gaslights, like your Rope. Hitchcock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the ones that I um, guess. Yeah. Um, but I should watch that. I mean, I'm sure I yeah. probably like it. No, I mean, since we've talked at length about how Jimmy Stewart is good. I mean, Stewart I guess I need good. to watch it. <laughs> now that we've talked uh, about it here, I should probably watch it. Watch it in the next week, and then you can report back okay. uh, next week about what you think about it. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but yes, listeners, what I just talked about has literally no connection whatsoever <laughs> to what we will be talking about today. So... Amy, why don't you tell everyone what we are talking about today? Well, we're talking about <laughs> a show that I never knew existed, and I lived in the time period, so mm-hmm. it doesn't bode well for this show, I'm going to just say. Now, I was never and am not a science fiction fan, so I see why it maybe wasn't on my radar, but... We're talking about a show called Space Cases, and I believe it looks like from what you said here, it ran from like around 1996 to 1997. We watched specifically the episode called All You Can Eat E A T Y. Yep. <laughs> Season two, episode seven, from the 23rd of November, 1996. Yes. Um. So this was has two seasons. Um. Mm-hmm. And the IMDb description of this item is, quote, a group of students from a space academy and two of their teachers find themselves lost in space aboard a mysterious ship of alien origin. Now, um, I I don't know how that happens, but cool, cool. um, Well, the the opening credits tell us. Oh, well, I didn't listen to any of that crap. I was like, what is all this? Um, but yeah, what I would say in terms of like how you might have missed this or whatever, I am similarly puzzled that neither one, I have no memory of this show either. And I'm especially puzzled by this because this was apparently part of the SNCC lineup. This is a Nickelodeon show. That is wrong. (laughs) What do you mean that is wrong? That's wrong because we watched SNCC and I would have... I would have at least had the memory of being like, oh, that piece of garbage, I'm turning it off. Like, no, there's no way. I don't know. at 96, you were too old for SNCC, but, like, I I don't know that I was. I wasn't too good for Nickelodeon when I was 15. (laughs) But, like, and and SNCC, quite honestly, had a little bit more adult adult programs. Also, back Um, back up the truck a second. For those people who maybe aren't familiar, we're saying SNCC a lot. Why don't you explain what SNCC is? Uh, Well, if you don't know what SNCC is, you are a helluser. You Um, are either uh, at least 47 or at most 31. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so SNCC is Saturday Night Nick. Hello. Um, And it's Nick because it's Nickelodeon Nickelodeon channel. Yeah, but and I remembered it as sort of like <laughs> the cool programming because it was like, yes. uh, "Are you afraid of the dark?" It was, um, I don't know. Besides, "Are you afraid of the dark?" I can't remember. It was but like uh, there was all that. All that it was it? like teeny. It was like teenage shows, kind of. It was like the more sophisticated isn't the right word, but it was the more. It wasn't Nick Junior. It wasn't like cartoons. It was. Live action, programming. sitcoms, yeah. that sort yeah. of thing. And um, therefore, I watched it quite regularly, and I don't have any recollection of this show whatsoever. 
Yeah, I mean, this was in the era oh, Pete where and Pete, for example. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Pete like and Pete. Um, because this was the era where, like, on Friday night, you would watch TGIF on ABC. Yep. Um, oh man, I just remembered. So this was the era where, like, Thursday nights, NBC must see TV. Yeah. Yep. Uh, then Friday nights, TGIF, which stands yep. for Thank God It's Friday, yeah. on ABC. And yeah, what I'm Saturday mostly night Snick. Yeah, Saturday night Snick. Um It was a great time, you guys. It was it a was great time really to be alive. <laughs> a television appreciator like myself's dream period. Uh where you just like put on the television and you knew from eight to ten or eleven PM on those nights, you just did not need to change the channel. Um Yeah. And those of you who don't know, a channel is when you have <laughs> cable and you have to turn it to different channels when you actually have to physically get up from your seat and turn a dial or press a button or do something yeah it's like as if you have multiple apps and you have to switch from one app to another app but that's even like switching between apps is still like you're still holding your phone yeah and it's just like the movement of one little bit of your thumb yeah to another but i just there's nothing like changing a channel anymore unless you no. still have cable and you're changing channels but right but nobody has like a box where they're like physically changing no. the channel anymore no um but i also am now realizing that i think perhaps part of the reason why we maybe missed this or it didn't stick in our memory is unlike musty tv and tgif where like the same shows ran at the same time for years the SNCC lineup was always shifting quite a bit. Because um, I remember there was one thing in that that was like even predated all that that was called Roundhouse. I loved Roundhouse. I was just yeah. talking about it the other day. You were? Was that on SNCC? Yeah, because I love the girl with long hair. Oh, I, I know like, exactly who you're talking about as well. And I, and I had like a moment where I went down a rabbit hole at one point and like trying to figure out who she was so I could like... <laughs> find out who she was today but I like couldn't find it um but so I think that's partially why we maybe don't have much of a impression of this because really it was Mm -hmm. like are you afraid of the dark was I think the thing that lasted the longest on that and was like well it's the best yeah and it was always on at the same time because I think it was usually the thing that would be the last one like the 9 30 that would make sense because it was scary indeed um so this particular show as well, like, as is often, well, not often the case, but we run across this pretty regularly for us where, like, all the components kind of seem good, but then somehow put together, it's bad. it doesn't work. So yeah, I was, this is what I want to say to you. I was watching this and I was really struggling between, like, whether I liked it or whether I was, like, full on mad at you for me to watch it. <laughs> I really, like, wavered between those two emotions, and I, like, couldn't figure out where I landed. Okay, fair enough. I, I actually felt much the same. I was like, I, I'm not getting anything from this. But, so let's, I just want to talk briefly about, like, what these components are yeah. um, that suggest, like, this could have been cool, it could have been good, but somehow it's just seemingly not coming together. And yeah. the first part is, is that the idea for this show uh, came from two people, Peter Allen David and Bill Mummy or Mummy. I'm not totally sure how he pronounces his last name. Um, and the and so Peter Allen David is really um, famous amongst like the graphic novel comic book scene, um, particularly okay. of like a sci-fi genre. And then Bill okay. Mummy, we've actually talked about him before because he, as a child actor, was Will Robinson in Lost in Space. Um, and also the little boy who gets the telephone call from his dead grandma (gasps) in that Hitchcock or Hitchcock show. No, 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 that was, that's in, um, or is that Twilight Zone? That's Twilight Zone. Yeah. So he's that little boy. Oh, I love that. Um, and so, and we've also talked about him because as an adult, he was one of the main staple characters in Babylon 5. So like we, Mm. so we have lots of, um, you know, kind of talent people who've worked in sci-fi quite a long time as the creators of the show. And then as well, this show, I guess perhaps because of both Nickelodeon at the time was extremely high profile, like 
for kids programming. And then mm-hmm. also because it's Peter, Alan, David, and Bill Moomy, they got quite a lot of guest stars. So in other episodes, so and also this is These, this guest star list is pretty impressive. Yeah, for God's sakes. I mean, um, I mean, we two of them will talk about Michelle Trachtenberg and Danny Tamborelli, and they're the, like the least impressive on this. I list. know, <laughs> but in other episodes, George Takei, Mark Hamill, Bill Mooney himself shows up, Katie Segal, and Robin Leach okay, all now, Robin made Leach, appearances. Robin Leach being like Loy Stoyles, that guy. Yes, lifestyles of the rich and famous. <laughs> well, I mean, see, that's the thing. It's like now nobody knows who Robin Leach is. That's true. But right. at the and time, they don't know who a lot of these people are, except for George Takei and uh, Mark, Mark Hamill and Katie Segal. What does Katie Segal do? Katie Segal was um, in Married with Children. She's the redhead. Oh, she's lady. that one. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. I forgot. I forgot. Okay. So, um, but yes, Robin Leach, I mean, you said you didn't know him, and yet you knew exactly what thing he was from. I said, I did not say I did not know him. I know that, I like, I know Lloyd Stiles, the rich and famous. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't quite that um, lower class British accent. He was I can't more do it. I, I thought that was his accent, but I can't do it. No, because it's not like Lloyd Stiles. He's like, lifestyles of the rich and famous with Robin Leach. He's like more <laughs> okay. upper crusty. It was like the first Cribs. It oh. was. It absolutely was. <laughs> and it was from the 80s. And it was just, you know, it was so 80s in every way. Because it was like, yeah. these super fabulously wealthy people are letting us look through their home mm-hmm. to see it's what kind great, of shit I mean, they've a, got. I mean, it's a good premise of the show. It's why Cribs worked, too. It is very, I, I, I will say that is um, programming I enjoy. <laughs> and I, and actually, now that I'm thinking of it, I better. I want to see. I'm gonna see if I can find lifestyles of the rich and famous on any platform because that's a good like. I'm a bit hungover. I'm. <laughs> I just need to like stare at something type of show. I just need to stare at like some pretty big houses. Yeah, because I don't. I actually don't like those ones that are the ones of now, like House Hunters and like ren like the renovation shows and shit. I'm like, yeah, just show me a cool house. Show me how you decorate it, whatever. Like, yeah, that's more interesting to me and extremely like just super calming because it's a lot of like just panning shots of like, here's this room. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's a good room. Good work. Like, you know, yeah, it doesn't really look like it's on any streaming platforms, but I what? bet you you could find somewhere. it on I'm somewhere. YouTube it's got to exist somewhere. Yeah. Um. So finally, just so we can kind of wrap our heads around why these children are in space um because this is of course inspired by last week uh how do kids get into space (laughs) yeah oh yeah i was like dogs in space i forget which we talked about last week dogs in space or kids in space we we've talked about both in the past few weeks so that's this this is there's a direct line and this isn't next next week are we going to be talking about like pigs in space or something we absolutely could i think there's a gym they might have even made a movie of that I think, but like I a Muppets in space. There's yes. gotta be, right? Well, cause yeah. Cause that's pigs in space. That is a Muppets gag. It's Oh really? Yeah. So <laughs> what has happened in this realm yeah. is, and I have to assume that this is some amount in the future because all of the children on this spaceship and the spaceship is called the Krista. Um, all of the children are from different planets in our solar system. Oh, really? Okay, I didn't get that. Uh, and we'll talk about that as we talk about the cast. Um, but so this, so that's where I'm like. Sorry, I just saw something in the, in the outline and I'm very happy because I was right about something. Go ahead. (laughs) Uh, so in the, some amount of future, there are different aliens living on different planets in our solar system. The kids all come to the same school, which is this space academy. Um, And as is often the case with school, there's like, you know, the kid who's the nerd, the kid who's the acting out one, the kid who does this and who does that. And so the main kind of captain of this crew, the leader, is a character called Harlan Band. And he's like the kid who gets into like scrapes and hijinks. And so... This group of kids are, like, not allowed to go on a field trip. 
And so Harlan, like, gathers them all together, and they sneak onto a spaceship that just appears kind of out of nowhere. That's always and, smart. Yeah, you always want to do that. Um, <laughs> and then what happens, the, the spaceship is very similar to a lot of spaceships we've seen at this point, where it is, mm-hmm. like, sentient, and also perhaps, like, somehow alive, in its own way, like, made out of organic material. Okay. And, and so they had a weird robot lady, but... They did, and the we'll point. talk about that in a second. <laughs> but basically, um, the, the different kids who've ended up on the ship, like, touch a surface in the ship, and then the ship bonds to them. And so oh. then that's... So then the ship, like, the crew are the people that the ship has bonded with physically. Okay. So, anyway. That's weird. And then the other part of this is so that's how they get onto the ship then they get onto the ship and unfortunately for them they end up going out into space in our solar system but they get pulled into a what are they calling it a spatial rift okay which get stuck out there it basically makes them go quite a lot far away and the return trip to earth is going to be seven years yikes so that is the the broad story that the thing we're talking about today fits into. Wow. I mean, the great thing about science fiction is that it can be as so much bullshit as you want. Like, yes, <laughs> yes just like fantasy. It's like, there's I no, guess. there's no ceiling and there's no floor. You can really go wherever you want to go. You know what? And I think that's a reason why I don't, it doesn't work for me. Because, like, in a general sense, because as I've been told by people before, I'm quite literal when it comes mm, to things. So, mm. like, so when, if something's not, like, a, a concrete idea, I do I do have some trouble with it sometimes. Fair enough. Um, so, the other component that seems like it would have helped this show survive a bit longer than it did is some of the cast members who are here uh mm-hmm. the first one yeah. being the kind of one of the main like it's an ensemble cast but there are always people who are kind of like the anchors to that and one of them yeah. is a character called harlan band now this is also where i'm going to explain like where all these kids are from so harlan is a human from earth okay um and he's played so he has no talents or special skills okay <laughs> he's just Humans. a human from earth. lame <laughs> You can't do anything. Humans equal lame. Got it. Yeah. Um, that's played by an actor named Walter Jones, who was actually 26 when this Whoa. show was going on, but, you know, um, was playing a teenager. Uh, wow. He's immediately recognizable. I Thank goodness I was right about this, because I was like, I'm positive he was one of the Power Rangers. Correct. Um, if I had been wrong about that, I would have been a little bit bummed and I would have been like, how do I know that guy? Yes. He played Zach Taylor slash the Black Power Ranger in the very initial early um, iteration of the Power mm-hmm. Rangers show, um, which I'm, I just watched something about this semi recently. Like the Power Rangers, once they came on in the 90s, like they've never not had a, some iteration of Power Rangers on the air. Really? Like, yeah, they they're still doing it i feel like they the that original cast though was a little bit ill-fated i feel like maybe the red one was a murderer or died or something i don't know i feel like some craziness happened with some of them that's probably true but i also think that the very first cast that that cast lasted probably the longest of any cast after that they were good i like they were on it for like a solid four or five seasons of power rangers Hmm. i think um Hmm. So that happens kind of a year or two before this show takes off. Um, He also does a couple of appearances in Moesha. Um, (laughs) Love that. Yeah, that also tells us, like, the era of everything. Um, Mm -hmm. But, like, of the people on this show, most didn't really go on to do much of anything. Uh, But he is one of the people who's been working fairly steadily uh, since his career began. Um, and has some new stuff coming down the track as well. So congratulations, oh, Walter. Um, <laughs> and I, I also included this from his IMDb bio because I thought it like 
sums up the life of a successful, like, I guess he wasn't a child when he did Power Rangers, but like someone who like did well early on and then doesn't really have to do much because it says he resides in Los Angeles and spends his free time salsa dancing, camping, scuba diving, snowboarding, and traveling. I'm like, pretty great. Damn, Pretty great life you've got there. Um, The next character is a character named Susie. So S-U-Z-E-E. Susie is from Titan. um, And her kind of special skill is telepathy. Um, She's played by an actor named Rebecca Herbst, who was 19 when this episode came out. Uh, She, intriguingly, uh, started out as a figure skater and actually uh, skated with the Kwan sisters. Um, really? Yeah, because Michelle Kwan had a sister also. And I, re- I didn't and remember that. When I saw that, I was like, I do remember because they were both good and they both I had made it that. to the Olympics. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, but obviously Michelle Kwan was the better one. Um, so, obviously. Well, she was. Um, yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I was being serious. So, and then also Rebecca Herbst was in a lot of, like, one-off appearances in all the TGIF shows Is she of that the brunette era. one? Like, the kind yeah. of... Okay, okay. Yeah. And in our version of where we saw this, you couldn't really tell, but, like, the thing is, is that p- people from Titan are supposed to have, like, crazy color hair. I kind um, of noticed that she had some, like, weird streak colors in her yeah. hair, but... But yeah, yeah, the version, that was another reason why I was a little bit angry with you was because the quality was so, so bad that it was hard to like. Well, that's not it. my fault. I, I know it's not your <laughs> fault, but you like made me watch it. So I was like, this quality and sucks. I know it. And I was saddened because I like, this was hard to find. It is not on platforms. Like, yeah. Um. So whenever we have to watch something on YouTube, generally it's, it's usually not great. Not great. Yeah. Um. But she as well has had a really, I would say, solid career. Um, she's been on General Hospital since 1997. Um, and so she's doing fine, I have to assume. Um, yeah. Next, we have a character called Radu. And that character is supposed to be from Andromeda. And his particular talents are that he has exceptionally good hearing and also super strength. Um, and this is played by, so this is the guy who had the very long blonde hair is who this guy was. Yeah. Um, I can picture that. And he's played by, uh, an actor called Christian Ayer, who was also 19. Mm -hmm. Um, and I recognized this guy. Yeah, so did I. And and now that you say the only thing you have is his credit was an elf in elf. (laughs) Yes. He was a featured elf. And I think that must be what I recognize him from. Yes. Yes, as soon as I ran across that, I was like, that's got to be it. Um, That's funny. Yep, he was a featured elf in Elf. Um, His last credit is from 2008. Um, Don't know what he's doing now. And and most of the rest are like that, where it's like this is kind of pretty much the main thing they ever did. Um, Next, we have a character called Bova, uh, who is from... Not a great name, but yeah. No, Bova from Uranus is already just bad. Um, yeah, not good. This is the kid who had the weird gold horns kind of glued onto his forehead. Hmm. Um, I'm somehow not remembering that, but okay. And these horns, like, create and control electricity. Um, okay. And people from Uranus apparently also have extremely fast metabolisms. So Bova is, like, oh. constantly hungry. Oh, I do um, like that. Yes. And so this is played... By a child actor named Rahi Azizi, who was 14. Um, okay. He also appears in Little Princess. I don't remember exactly what role he's in. Huh. Um, but he's South Asian, so he's probably one of the characters supposedly from India. In that. Um, Is that where she's supposed to be from? Well, yes. I can't. I sometimes get confused between that and Little Princess. Or not Little Princess. Um... Secret Garden. I thought a Secret Garden. She was from India. Little She's princess. also from yeah, because that's oh. written by the same lady. It's the same story. <laughs> it's not the okay. same story, but it's a similar, similar. It's got like the main characters have the same background. I can't picture that little kid in Little Princess, but I've also not watched Little Princess in a very long time. So yeah. Um. 
his last credit is in 1999, and he only has, like, mm-hmm. a handful of credits. So, you know, mm-hmm. this we see a lot, especially with child actors, is, like, a little bit of yeah. stuff. And then once they hit a certain age, it's like, I don't want to keep doing this anymore. Um, then we have a character named Rosie Ayani, who is mm-hmm. from Mercury. And so because Mercury is the planet that's closest to the sun, of course, she deals all in heat. She can produce heat and, like, control heat and all kinds of jazz. Um, okay. This is played by an actor named Paige Christina, who is 14. I didn't recognize anything that she was in. Um, and she, much like Rahi Azizi, um, kind of opts out of the acting game in the early 2000s. Okay. Um, next, we have Thelma, who is the android. Um, okay. And Thelma, as we always see with these things, Thelma oh, no. is an acronym for Techno Human Emulating Machine. Whoa. Yep. And apparently, she was on the Krista, the ship, when the kids got there. So we don't, her like origin story is kind of hazy, apparently, okay. in this world. Um, and it's played by an actor named Anik Matern, who was 33. Um, she also has a kind of patchy set of credits nothing that's super like recognizable um but she's been working up until fairly recently her last credit was in 2018 um then we have a character called tj davenport she she is the only actual adult on the ship yeah Uh, oh yeah 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 she is a human woman as far as i can tell um, played by an actor named Carrie Lawrence, who is 32. Um, she, I've described her here as having one of the better set of credits. And I don't mean that in the sense of like things that you would know or recognize, but more like just the consistency. Like she's, mm-hmm. um, she's just been working regularly this whole time. Um, and her last credit was in 2021. And I, and I imagine that she will continue to get work and do things. Nothing super major, never like a super big role, but she's constantly working. And, you know, I think I always am impressed by people like that where I'm like, if you're actually making a living acting, it does not matter, like, if you're a movie star or like, oh my gosh, as long as you're making enough money to like do your life. Oh my gosh. I think we on. have said this many times, or I've said this many times, like, it's probably better. Let's be real. Yeah. To like just be successful where it's like a living and you're not like worried about where your next meal is coming from or something like fully comfortable, but not famous. I think yeah. that's so much better. Yeah. Personally. Like you can go to the grocery store. You can go to yeah. your local bar. You can go to a restaurant. You can go to the library. You can take a yeah. run. Like all, you can, you can do the thing that you like doing while simultaneously just having a regular life. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So congratulations, Carrie Lawrence, wherever you are. <laughs> Good for you. Um, then we have the final characters in this episode. It's unclear if they're supposed to be from a particular planet or what. Um, but the w- first one is called Stuart and that's played by Danny Tamborelli, who was 14 when this show came out. Um, now Danny Tamborelli, again, this is it. This is an actor and person that in you would not know who he is if you are over the age of 44 and you we'll absolutely get it together everybody <laughs> and you absolutely wouldn't know him if you were under the age of like 35. Um, I saw him one time at um Yeah, he lives in New York, I think. Well, no, I saw him at Dairy Mart. What? <laughs> in Amherst. Yeah. He went to I think he went to Smith. No, really? I think Wait, so. Smith, Smith is not, an old not, women's. That's not what I meant. I meant Hampshire College. Oh, that makes more sense. Whoa. Um, I, I think that's right. I'll look it up to make sure, but I know I saw him because I remember being like, Pete and Pete. <laughs> that's wild. Did you actually say that to him? Did you just uh, see him and say, Pete I think and I just Pete saw and him from, run no. away? <laughs> I think I just saw him from afar and was like enthralled. <laughs> I don't, I don't think I had the guts to say Pete and Pete because he'd probably be like, what the fuck? Well, I'm sure um, he gets it all the time anyway. Well, like, I mean, again, it's like a very specific uh, 
whatchamacallit, um, a group of people that would know him and then yeah. the rest of the world doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Um, so yes, he his major breakthrough is in The Adventures of Pete and Pete, which is also a Nickelodeon. Yeah, he, went to, he went to Hampshire College. That's wild. Oh my God, yeah. I can't believe that you saw him in fucking Dairy Mart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's um, getting gas. That's so funny. Also, for anyone who is not from... The New England area, circa the 90s. Dairy Mart is just a 7-Eleven. It's just a Cumberland Farms, store. whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think now it's turned into Cumberland Farms. But anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Adventures of Pete and Pete, which was also a Nickelodeon-produced original program, mm-hmm. um, was a big deal. And hit, certainly this his kind of major breakout role. But he was also, before that, he had a, a little bit of a smaller part in Mighty Ducks. Oh, he also yeah. voiced one of the characters in the original animated series of Magic School Bus. Um, he mm. made regular appearances on all of that, which is like the kids' version of Saturday Night Live. Um, <laughs> he remains fairly active as a child and like young adult actor until about 2004. And then there's a big break um, until about 2013. And then he seems like he's kind of, you know, he'll dip his toe in and do some stuff and then go on about his business. Um, Mm -hmm. And he has a few things coming down the pipeline now. Um, So, again, these are like the types of careers that I think kind of sound like the best of both worlds, which is like you have this run when you're a kid and you maybe build up some money so you can go to super expensive Hampshire college and like dick around <laughs> doing nothing. Like, um, Hello, and, he got a bachelor's degree in interdisciplinary arts, focusing on music oh. performance and booking management. Oh my God. Um, that's, <laughs> that sounds great. I mean, that's one I of don't the know more what it means, but it sounds great. And for Hampshire college where you can literally make up your own major, that one at yeah, least does, sounds like a, that sounds kind of real. Some kind of skills for life. Yeah. Um, it sounds kind of real. I think you can literally do like major in like flowers. Yes. You can make your yeah. own major and the major can be Frisbee. Like, I love um, that. I mean, I can't play Frisbee, <laughs> but I love that. It's probably part of the reason why Hampshire College was getting into major financial trouble a few years ago and on the verge yeah. of closing because, like, none of their graduates were able to give to the alumni fund or whatever. Because <laughs> um, they're all like, dude, I studied flowers. I have no yeah. money. <laughs> I have no life skills whatsoever. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, so he gets, you know, this, like, childhood recognition or whatever um and it's and it's good enough to where it if and when he ever wants to do any project as an adult he can probably mm-hmm. get someone interested in it and do it you yeah know? like so that seems pretty ideal um the final character we need to know addre- uh introduces herself when they ask what her name is she says ah! <laughs> um very annoying <laughs> so uh she's res- described as prankster number one yeah. On IMDb. And this is played by Michelle Trachtenberg, who was 11. Um, I didn't realize that she, too, got her start in The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Um, yeah. I Now that you say it, kind of remember that. She was... I forget who she played, but... She was just one of the kids in that show. Um, yeah. That was like a series regular. Yeah. Um, she apparently started doing commercials at the age of three, which is nuts. Wow. Um, And in many ways, her career is probably like the best, most high profile of anybody we've Mm -hmm. talked about. Um, Because she then goes on, like because of Pete and Pete, she gets cast as Harriet and Harriet the Spy. Love it. Then she is also a series regular for at least a few seasons on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, She's in the Black Christmas remake. She's, she's a series. in an episode of Criminal Minds. Of course she was. Um, <laughs> she's got a series regular stint on Gossip Girl. Mm. Um, and so she's been in much more, I would say, like, re- not only is she working regularly like some of these people, but she's also getting kind of high profile stuff more. Yeah. Um, that being said, her last credit was in 2018. So it's not, I'm not sure if maybe she's decided she doesn't want to continue or just taking a break for a bit. 
Um, You know, also a pandemic maybe just slowed things down a bit. Sure. Um, (laughs) But it looks like she was slowing down before, like, well before the pandemic was in operation. Um, The other thing I just want to briefly mention, she does not appear in this episode, um, but Jewel State plays a character um, called Catalina. And Jewel State is also someone who's uh, very recognizable in the sci-fi world because she is um, Kaylee in Firefly. Uh, mm. And she's gone on to do like quite a lot of... She, she's also kind of a more high-profile high person out of this cast. Okay. Um, so I just thought I'd mention it because she would have been quite young when she appeared in this as well. Okay. Um, so let's just talk about the show, which like for all the Ooh. various talents let's say incorporated here not much happens it not much happens and maybe that's just because it's also a kids show yeah um but also just like it's yeah there's something good yeah not working um (laughs) so we start out the cold open is that we're on the bridge of the krista and the crew is doing like a surface analysis of the planet that they are orbiting and they're using this weird like super powerful vacuum device to like suck up things from the planet to like figure out what's going on Mm -hmm. um as they're doing this uh they get a hail from another ship and this is the ship that has michelle trachtenberg and danny tamborelli on it Mm -hmm. um and they're like hey we just gotta like Ping that you're you guys are about a to. Ping. I don't know how I like would on their phones. It. Yes, <laughs> they just got a. They were like a massive object is heading toward you and it's going to impact your ship. And then mm-hmm. we see um, this big kind of meteor heading toward the ship, and everyone braces for impact. And then we cut to the credits. Um, and the credits. I mean, I know I love a credit sequence, and I do. <laughs> But what I liked best about this was not, like, the credit sequence, but because we haven't talked about this in the context of credits before. I like credits that tell us about the characters so that we have to know nothing going in. Yeah. I kind of like that. I do like that, too. I couldn't, in this case, understand much of what they were saying. No, I didn't. So it was hard to, like, catch it. No, I didn't catch it either, but I could tell. I was like... This is where they're saying people's names. And as they're yeah. saying the name, we see a shot of the person. And it's like helping us to understand. But basically, I looked up the lyrics. And the lyrics are telling this thing that I just said. They get onto this ship by mistake. And now they're out in the crazy space world. And then it's <laughs> like Harlan is, it says Harlan Band leaps before he looks. Susie's smarter than a million books. Radu's mm-hmm. really super strong. Android Thelma functions wrong. Bova acts like nothing's funny. Rosie's cheery, bright, and sunny. Davenport and Goddard do the best they can. Um, <laughs> so, and those are the two adults. Davenport yeah, and Goddard. That's all, that's all we have to say about them is they, they try. Well, also, let's face it. They're because, I mean, I like kids shows in general typically try to make adults non-entities. Yeah. Um, but I would say that the Nick shows in particular really bring that to an art. Like, think about... Yeah, I love it. Like, think about Mr. Ernest, Ernst and how stupid he is, you know? And, like... Oh, yeah. Such a place for comic relief is, like, adults yeah. being stupid and adults not just knowing act- things. Yeah, just, like, it's actually, like, a lot of these shows are just, like, a world, like, the upside-down world where, like, right. kids... Are in charge. Run everything. Yeah. They're the smart ones. They know how to do things. Um, I mean, Saved by the Bell was similar. I mean, Mr. Belding was the biggest idiot. Yes. And, like, he hung out with the kids. Like, everything. Yeah. Like, it was. Yeah. Yeah. And this one is very, we'll see, functions on much the same set of principles. So we come back. The ship is about to be hit by this massive meteor. Everyone's really upset, scared, whatever. And then something seemingly magical happens because the meteor just sort of disappears and the ship passes through it as though nothing is there. (laughs) Meanwhile, the kids who have hailed them, they're on the screen and they start laughing maniacally because (laughs) they've done this prank where they've like taken a hologram of a muffin that one of them was eating and projected it out into space to make 
the people on the Krista think that they were about to get hit by a meteor. Now, um, I don't understand how one would do that, but it's a pretty good trick. I guess. I mean, this is also where <laughs> I'm a bit of a stick in the mud and I'm like, pranks are stupid. They are. And especially <laughs> in space, it's not great. Like, I would say, like, making people truly believe they're about to die, like, not the funniest of pranks. I think, no. you know, pranks, like, scaring people pranks is fun, but it's more like jump scares, not like. I, I actually, actually think I'm going to die. You, yeah. Um, so that happens. And then the crew is like, oh, whatever. And then they realize <laughs> that in their process of like doing this vacuum surface analysis of the planet that they're orbiting, they've sucked up a small animal. Um, Yikes. yes. And initially what it looks like, like in my handwritten notes, I wrote, it looks like a little alf. Um, yeah. It's pretty small, blonde, furry, weird thing. Um, uh-huh. And for whatever reason, like, to me, it makes sense that they decide to keep it. What doesn't make sense is that they decide that they're not going to tell Davenport, the one adult in charge. Or, well, not maybe she's not even in charge. Well, but the one adult who's there. Um, well, because they decide the not to tell wet, her. Yeah, because adults are wet blankets and they're going to be ruining it. Well, and also adults never let you keep pets that you find Correct. by mistake. <laughs> exactly. Grown-ups are so annoying like that, where they don't let you just keep random animals. I know. So they hide, they hide uh, the animal from her, and then they go to the mess hall and start feeding this creature. And in the context of that, they're also <laughs> saying, like, what could we call this thing? And they settle on the name Edie, E-A-T-Y, and they pronounce it like Edie, like the yeah. name Edie. Um, yeah. Short for Edith, of course. Um, <laughs> and they they name it that because it's eating, like, piles and piles of food, despite it being very small. <laughs> um, and so while this is all transpiring, Davenport comes in, and they have to hide Edie behind all of their backs, and she starts sneezing kind of uncontrollably, so of course the adult is allergic to it. Of allergic course. to the new pet. Mm. Um, then because she's been having a sneezing attack, when Davenport goes onto the bridge, uh, she asks Thelma if anything unusual, like substance or life form or whatever, is on the ship, um, because she doesn't normally have allergies. And mm-hmm. Thelma, I think if I remember this correctly, she says like. Nothing super unusual has happened, but um, we probably did pick up maybe a bacteria or something, and maybe that's what's affecting you. And so basically, it's like, oh, okay, fine, no big deal. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, a bacteria from a planet you don't know, and everyone's saying this is not a problem no to worry about? <laughs> like, that doesn't pass the COVID-19 test anymore. I'm like, no, no, a a foreign bacteria could be a real problem. Um, But now it's Thelma and Davenport on the bridge and the pranksters are back. And now what are they pretending Mm. to be? Oh, this is, they're pretending to be, uh, I, did you write here, they're space patrol or something, but they're pretending to be the cops. Right. Um, But it's like so clearly them. Like, I, yes. I get it. It's a kid's show, like, blah, 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 blah. But, like, it's so obviously them in, like, um, little police hats and sunglasses. And they're... Yes. I forget what it was they're telling them, but, like... Well, it's, like, pull like, over. We're the police. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're, like... And, of course, again, because the adults... So, even though Thelma is an android and, therefore, can't really be an adult, um, she fits that role in this thing. So, Thelma yeah. and Davenport are all, like oh my god, we're in trouble, like, whatever. And it's the kids who have to come in and remind them, like, there's no such thing as Space Patrol. Um, We've run into these kid pranksters before. Don't (laughs) worry about it. So everyone's like, okay, great. Then the end of the night comes. Rosie puts Edie to bed. They all seem to share, like, a sleeping quarters area. Mm -hmm. When they wake up the next day, what's happened? The that the Edie thing has grown. Yes. 
So the first version of Edie that we see is maybe it's like a foot high or something. Mm -hmm. And the next one we see looks to be the size of like a full-grown human being. So between five and six feet tall. (laughs) Yeah, pretty big and a little Pretty big. Pretty big in a very short amount of time. Yeah. Um, But again, this is a pretty common sci-fi trope. We see this like rapid aging, rapid growth thing used quite yeah. a lot so like fine okay um i i gotta say i'm not sure they keep calling what these kids are doing pranks but i'm not sure they're pranks i think they're just stupid activity like <laughs> well they're just like i don't even know like it when it started off like the muffin like the, one is like kind of funny yeah that's kind, of, kind of a prank i suppose making you but this one is like I when they did this, I was like, "How is this a prank?" Um, because now they've come back. They've hailed the crew of the Krista again, but now they're wearing reptile masks and pretending to be like reptilian aliens. Yeah, and I mean, I guess that's a prank. It's not a very good one, but it well, and especially because like a prank, in my understanding, is like you. <sighs> You make somebody else think something weird and then you take away that illusion. This is like we're wearing these reptile masks and like Danny Tamborelli is pretending to eat his own brain. And like, how is this a like what it, you're just acting. You're acting. Yeah. It's not like <laughs> you're doing a skit. Like. Yes. Yes, they're doing a skit. And it's even <laughs> stupider because the kids on the Krista are like, we know who you are. We know. Well, you're like, not- I guess it, I guess the prank part of it would be like trying to scare them. And like if their reaction, maybe their reaction would have made it seem more pranky if they were like, oh, my God, what do we do? We're watching. Blah. But like, right. why would that be the response? Well, and like the things that they were do- like that Michelle Trachtenberg and Danny Tamborelli were doing as reptilians wasn't like scary. They weren't even saying like, <laughs> we're going to eat you- your guys's brains because like. Look no, at I'm like, so I'm eating my own brains. Right. I'm like, that's so? Like, who cares? <laughs> um, but I guess what's important about this is that the crew traces the call to figure out who these people are um, so that they can hail them back and prank them back. So okay. slightly later, the crew has figured out what their prank is going to be. And again, I don't entirely see how this is a prank but what they're going to do is they're now hailing these two kids and they've set it up to look like Edie is like controlling the ship so Edie's in like the captain's chair Mm -hmm. and Harlan is like doing its voice from out Mm -hmm. of sight of the like view screen Mm -hmm. um like again how is that a prank I don't really know. Not sure. Um, But when the pranksters see Edie on their view screen, they start freaking out. Um, And they start telling the crew of the Krista, they were like, that is a monster that you have brought on board. Um, You have to get rid of it immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're like, look, this thing you don't you don't seem to know what it is, but we know, and it will eat your whole ship, and it will eat you guys. And what does the crew say to that? They're like, good try, guys. Another prank. Not yes. buying it. Yes. And I'm like, come on. Like, <laughs> this is nuts. Um, so, but I guess there's still a certain amount of concern about that information, because then Harlan and Susie decide to put Edie in a cage to like figure out what to do, I guess, or maybe to monitor its behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, but then quite like handily, Edie manages to escape from that cage. <laughs> um, and once it escapes, who does it interact with first? The two dumbass adults. Um, of course. So I don't know what room this is, but then we see Davenport getting like a weird sort of like massage treatment from like mechanical arms or something like well no mechanical arms is like not quite it's like yeah like just different machinery parts kind of over a table and I I, the only thing it looked like to me was like some kind of spa treat massage (laughs) thing Mm -hmm. because she looks like she's trying to relax 
Yeah. And so then she's doing that, and then she starts to sneeze. So, of course, Edie is around. Yeah. Edie comes out. It's grown even bigger now. <laughs> and, like, bloodthirsty. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember. Is this? Oh, yeah, it is. I think this is, like, the, the biggest version of Edie that we mm-hmm. see in the show. And I wrote mm-hmm. in my handwritten notes, looks hideous. It's real hideous. <laughs> the teeth and the mouth yes. situation The mouth is not in particular good. was really yucky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it attacks Davenport. Uh, she runs uh, out of this room into the hall where Thelma is there. And Thelma, um, it doesn't seem like this is on purpose, but Thelma basically distracts Edie long enough for Davenport to get away. Mm-hmm. Um, Davenport then in the bridge confronts all of the kids and she's like, so when was someone going to tell me that you brought a (laughs) vicious animal onto this plane or not onto the plane, onto the ship. Um, and Thelma walks in and says, look what happened. And, and Edie has eaten both of her hands off. Yikes. I forgot Uh, that. (laughs) And then as well, this was also, there was something in this that I kind of thought was, weird how and I guess very kid-like um when they travel from room to room in this place they travel with slides oh do they like yeah like like they slide down slides yeah because like in numerous like so when Davenport ultimately gets away from Edie she does it by jumping into this circular hole in the wall which then is a slide into a different room oh and a number of them do it throughout the show where, like, oh, that's funny. you go from the mess hall to something else and you're taking a slide down. And it's like, um, <laughs> you remember, like, these were kind of new, I want to say, when we were kids, where it was, like, the covered slide, right? Where it's, mm-hmm. like, all a big, it's like that. Mm, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe I'm kind of having a memory of uh, that now, seeing that in this show. Yeah, so she confronts everybody. And so then they're trying to figure out what to do with this rabid animal that's running around the ship. Um, so Susie, because she has tele- te- telepathic powers, mm-hmm. she makes a psychic connection with Edie. And then she tells everyone that it all truly its only desire is to eat everything and everyone. <laughs> well, we're in trouble, folks. This is a bad sitch. Um yeah. So they're trying to figure out what to do in this situation. And so what they find is that there's a moon semi nearby, an eight hour flight away mm-hmm. that has lots of vegetation. And they're like, we're going to drop Edie there because there will be food for it. And it will then protect us from being killed by this thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Davenport, however, again, because... Um, the adults in these shows have to be the worst types of yeah. people. Um, she's yeah. like, no, we should just kill it. And they're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's not like, I guess what they're trying to say is like that it's not this animal's fault, like that it's just in its nature. And so yeah. they just want to bring it to a place where it can just go and be free. Mm-hmm. As they're discussing this, all of the power in the ship turns off because Edie has now chewed through Various important Jesus Christ, get rid of this thing. (laughs) I know. So, uh, basically, they're like, we need to contain Edie so that, one, we can fix the ship. Two, we can then, once the ship is fixed, take Edie to this moon we found. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the decision is that they're going to try and capture Edie in the biosphere. And then... Um, keep it in there. They're hoping that for like, you know, I guess now like the six hours that this trip to the moon is going to take, um, that there's enough food in there for it to stay busy in there. Um, so then Harlan, because he's like the captain and leader, he volunteers to lure Edie into that biosphere. Um, which happens. And then, um, Radu, and I don't know if it's because he's the strong one. I guess that's probably the thought here. Radu then uses that same vacuum device that they sucked Edie up with <laughs> to now deposit 
Edie onto the surface of this new moon. Um, which is, they do. And the final scene, we're back on the bridge. Um, and the whole crew is passed out. And they call the pranksters. And they say to them, like, please help us. That monster that you said was bad was bad. And now we're in trouble. <laughs> and the pranksters are like, oh, no. But then, like... I guess this is sort of an actual prank uh, as far as pranks go. But I also was like, they barely hold the, the we're passed out pose. Like it's maybe, they don't. It's, it's like they maximum don't, they don't 20 seconds. It. Yeah. They're like clearly not as good of a pranksters. No. Cause immediately ones. Harlan's like tricked you. Ha ha. We're <laughs> fine. Uh, but then everyone of course laughs including the pranksters, and now they're all best buds, and they all decide, both the crew of the Krista and these other kids from somewhere, um, they decide to prank Davenport, and that's the end of the show. But as I <laughs> said in the outline, haven't they just super pranked Davenport yeah, what, uh, yeah, what else with this whole Edie thing? <laughs> like, yeah, well, I don't get it. Um, I mean, I don't know that, again, maybe... The Edie thing is not really a prank because it's, like, actually just a lie that goes really terribly wrong. Um, or an omission of details. Um, but I was like, why does this poor woman need to get pranked after this whole, like, life-threatening adventure that just happened because of you guys' decision-making? Like, um, but that's it. Who cares? <laughs> We're done. Wow. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yes. I don't know about this one. I don't know about it either. So I guess that's where we can now dive into yawns and eye rolls. <laughs> um, for yawns, one yawn is uh, this was like electric. Oh gosh. Uh, TV watching of the premiere caliber, <laughs> <laughs> and ten yawns is just like. A whole bunch of Z's in a row. Um, what would you give it? Hmm. Well, you know, okay. It was only 24 minutes. So, like, I can't be that mad about it. Um, but it did feel like 24 minutes. <laughs> like, I was, I did look at, like, how you much time You are not getting those 24 minutes back. No. Uh, so, I would say, like, maybe six. Yeah. Six yawns. Yeah, I would even maybe go slightly further and wow, go like eight because whoa, it okay. was quite predictable in every single way, <laughs> um, and did not engage me much at all. And it and in yeah. I will say in fairness to the show, it is for kids. I am forty. Yes, <laughs> like, yes it's not uh, for us. And even kids' shows from now, I think, are more, uh, what's the word? Like, engaging because, like, yes. just people's, like, in, I don't know how I would call it, like, yeah, television they, literacy is different than yeah. it was. You know, like, yeah. so even stuff for kids is a little bit more engaging than this was. Um, yeah. And then I also in fairness to, to the show, like we've mentioned, like the quality of the recording was the not The quality great. was really bad. So that also made that it did not harder it. to really care about what was yeah. happening. Yeah. Um, so then in terms of eye rolls, Oof. yeah, one eye roll is like, what are you talking about? I totally believed everything. And <laughs> 10 eye rolls is like, this is pure nonsense. What would you give it? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, it's so hard in the context of sci-fi. Like when, you know, we watched a thing called Dogs in Space. We watched the kid thing called Space Camp. And, you know, it's all kind of nonsense. But this one is definitely full of nonsense. So I think I might say eight. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I agree with you on the eight but almost kind of want to give it a lower score because of its lack of originality. You know, like mm -hmm. it's less eye rolly because there's nothing here that's like 
anything new, new or whatever. Yeah. But at the same time, it was executed so poorly <laughs> that <laughs> it's like hard to say. Um, and one of the things that I learned on Wikipedia, like in terms of production of this show, like they had a very shoestring budget. So like a lot of the yeah. props and stuff actually came from Are You Afraid of the Dark and like other Nick shows. And That's I think funny. I read somewhere that like, even like, you know, to like make the scenery, like one of the rooms has just like a bunch of CDs glued to the wall. And that's like, that looks futury, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could totally picture that. And the thing is, like, not to make it about another show, but the thing is, even um, kid shows of that time, there was the potential for them to be good. Like you just mentioned, Are You Afraid of the Dark? There is an alien episode of that. It's right. enjoyable. I've watched it as an adult and I still like it. You right. know, so it's not just that it's for kids and we're not the demographic. It's also like not the best. Yeah, it's I mean, like everything, there are shows that get like more premiere treatment and so then it just the product turns out a bit better than what yeah. this has been. Yes. Um yes. so finally, did you like this and would you recommend it? This is the are you mad at me forever question. Or well, mad at you forever might be extreme over something like this. But um, I don't think I liked it. Okay. <laughs> and I definitely don't think I would recommend it because mainly, and the main reason I wouldn't recommend it is because you have to watch it on YouTube and the right. quality is terrible. Yeah. So I would never like put somebody through that unless they were like so, so curious. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, I don't think so. I think I would just tell people to skip it. <laughs> Yeah, I think I agree with you. I don't think I liked this very much. Um, I don't think I would recommend it, probably primarily because of the overall quality of the um, recordings. Um, but even, like, I will say this, though. There probably are people in the world who have a very fond memory of this show. Sure, if you watched it as a kid, maybe you could still enjoy it in right. a nostalgic way, the way I enjoy stuff that's garbage now. Right. That, like, right. But, but I, yeah, I didn't have that affection for it, so it's hard for me to say. No, me neither. And I think there are even just better sci-fi shows for kids than yeah. this one um, is. So I did, though, and I think we both agree on this, I did like how short it was. It always <laughs> anything under 30 minutes I'm on board for like I I will take that over something bad and long any day yes so that's all we have to say here at <laughs> see you next week in space I am Sarah I'm here with Amy and we will see you next week in space thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of see you next week in space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.